Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I really hope you're enjoying yourself. Welcome again to season five, Discovering Your Purpose. I'm so delighted to be here. And today I was actually crying because the Kakuma refugee girls are listening to this podcast. And Kakuma first, girls, if you are listening, I want to say welcome. Thank you, ladies. You are beautiful. I love you so much. And I want to thank our volunteers and everyone who is really getting this podcast out there. Thank you. It means a lot. I get so emotional to know that you are listening to my guests because I chose them intentionally for you to listen to them. So thank you so much for being here. Someone told me yesterday to talk about I am the code and what we do. And I just told them, one of the fundamental pillars of I am the code works revolve around women's and girls' empowerment globally. A vital goal of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Our mission is to build a generation of one million women and girls coders by the year 2030. I want to make sure young women and girls are digitally literate. They have the skills they need to join the global workforce. We also want to measure the indicators of the global goals. At the same time, track progress on girls' education. We all know young women and girls have been let down, not only by COVID-19, but also government and policymakers. So each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating young women and girls globally. And I'm so pleased the Kakuma girls are listening to this message because it is absolutely important. Last week was really inspiring because they joined us as well via Zoom to celebrate Hunger Week with us. We also launched season five with my dear friend, Aisa to Jahate. We joined our colleagues from the United Nations to celebrate Hunger Week. It was really amazing. A lot of commitment were made, but not too many commitment was made for girls' education. It was quite sad to see. We have a lot to do for women and girls' education across the world. But in the meantime, at I Am The Code, we continue to support girls globally. And many people don't know the world is home of nearly 695 million adolescent girls. Can you imagine? People forget that girls actually grow up. I am here. I am a woman now. So let's invest in women and girls because when you invest in women and girls, you will likely to see a return on investment because they will not only serve their communities, they will lead the world. What happened with COVID-19 has really affected young women and girls. School closures have led to reduce physical activities. We used to go and organize hackathons and activities. Now we can't because of COVID-19. The girls have poor diets. That's why we create I Am The Food. And also, a lot of girls have their anxiety increased, so we really need to take care of their well-being. I got to talk to so many global leaders last week, and that's why I included so many people in this podcast, world leaders, who are making a difference and have found their purpose. So my guest this week is someone I really admire, Nicola Mendelssohn. She's amazing. She's really awesome. She's a tech leader and is currently the VP MEA for Facebook. If you don't know what MEA stands for, it's Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia. 
I hope so. I really hope I got it right. So she has been admired across the UK business community for her hands-on approach on insisting for us to have four days a week, working week. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I definitely need to reduce my hours, but what can I say? She's a strong advocate of flexible time, work, balance, life. We had a wonderful conversation. She shared her journey with us, her story as a cancer survivor, really amazing woman. I think there's so much to learn from her. She's supporting women of color, women of different nationalities, doing wonderful work, working with policymakers to make sure girls have connectivity, infrastructure, and all they need to strive in their businesses. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation because I really did. It was an absolute treat to have Nicola on the podcast. I will see you on the other side. Nicola, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Lady Mariam. And actually, I'm a lady too. So I'm Lady <laughs> Mendelssohn. So from one lady to another, it's uh, absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I know, I know. Well, you know, I always said to the, the girls and boys and everybody listening on I Am The Code podcast, why we invite people. And I think you have done two things you may not know that you have done. I, I really want to share that today. I think I remember meeting you a couple of years ago with our common friend, Sarah Brown, who's a lovely, lovely woman. And you hosted her at Facebook. I just remember you coming on stage being so so kind and so compassionate you had all the women there really give us not only the space but also you really supported us in that day I'm one of the day world ambassadors so I was very very proud that day to know that someone like you a leader in this world gave us that space to come in the morning and talk about all the stuff we were doing and the second thing is that I've been watching you a lot actually I've been watching your consistency but also your kindness you know everyone everyone when I said to people that you are coming on the podcast everybody told me oh she's so brave she's really amazing woman and the staff your staff they adore you the work you're doing at Facebook is really amazing I'm going to talk about all of that but for me personally I just want to say thank you from uh, the bottom of my heart and from everything you do for women and girls across the world I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast and welcome welcome <laughs> oh, thank you and and it's me who should be thanking you for the inspirational work that you do to help women and girls all over the world and especially for your work with our world which is a charity that is very dear to my heart so thanks to you thank you so much you know so you know at I am the code we are always proud like I said to have people like you but let me go a little bit into our conversation I know you don't give too many interviews and I've been reading all the work you are doing but can you tell the girls and boys who are living right now in, in refugee camps who are listening to you where has everything started for you your journey where has it started Okay, so we're talking today from uh, London in England, but actually I started and I grew up in the north of England in Manchester. Probably some people might know it for the for the famous football teams, Manchester United or, or Manchester City. I was very blessed to grow up in Manchester in the 70s. I was surrounded by a very loving and, and kind family and both a mother and a grandmother who worked. Now, growing up in the 70s in the UK, that was quite unusual to have a mum and a grandma who worked. My grandparents worked together selling fabrics and buttons and haberdashery, and they had a market stall. And I used to spend time helping them sorting out the buttons and the trimmings. And my parents worked together, and they still do. They're in their 70s now, running a catering and events planning business. So that's where it starts. It starts in the north of England in Manchester. 
That's really amazing. I mean, I've been to Liverpool. I've been to Manchester, but not to... I think I've been to Liverpool many times. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not far. far. It's not, not far. far. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I've been also seeing you doing uh, with your, you know, with the work you're doing uh, is around the pandemic and you've been really helping and I've seen some of the posts you've posted on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. What has the pandemic taught you? I know that uh, you've done amazing work. Can you share with the girls right now? They, they've been really suffering in Kakuma Refugee Camp and all across the world, but how has the pandemic affected you and what has it taught you yeah so first of all I wanted just to say to the girls that are listening today know that you're not alone know that there's people around the world that are thinking of you and trying to think of ways in which we'll be able to help you and the pandemic is something that in many ways brought us all together Mm. and actually brought us closer because it was a time where people really had to look out for one another and are still looking out for one another and I think it was a real moment where people stopped and thought, actually, how can I help somebody else? How can I be kind? How can I help the community in which I live? The pandemic's also really shown us the power of technology to help people to solve problems. And we know it's a very human thing that people just got this deep desire to be able to connect and to share. And actually, during the pandemic and the, you know, the worst of the pandemic, and in different countries around the world, some people might be going still through the worst of the times, People weren't actually physically able to come together. And what we saw actually is that technology and connectiveness, connectivity, actually really helped people to come together. And these are very powerful things that can unite us. And from the company that I work at, as you say, I work at Facebook. Facebook, the company, is also responsible for WhatsApp and for Messenger. And we saw through the last 18 months how people have really wanted to be connected and have used products like our video calling on WhatsApp, on Messenger. We've seen these small acts of kindness where people in different communities have maybe set up a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group. I have that in my own street in London, where our street created a a WhatsApp group to see what we could do to help one another. And we've also seen people all over the world using some of our donation products, raise charity fundraising on Facebook, on Instagram, and staggering amounts of money, hundreds of Mm. millions, over a billion dollars being raised and over $175 million being raised for COVID-related causes. So whilst these have been very difficult and trying times, they've also shown us the goodness in people as well. Absolutely. The work you guys have been doing, and I will tell you a little bit more about the, the work we be, we will be doing with Facebook this month, and I'm sure you'll be very proud of that as well. But, you know, you are somebody who is admired in the business community. As I said earlier, you know, people talk highly of you. Uh, your handles approach on, uh, you know, you insist in, in working from home. <laughs> you know, once once a day you have to work from home, but also, you know, you really want people to relax and, you know, mental health is a big thing for you and, and making sure that there's flexibility. Now we are doing all of this post-COVID-19, we are getting into post-COVID-19, hopefully. What would you say that, you know, has been the greatest thing you've learned, you as as a person during this pandemic by taking time off, relaxing, looking after the family, taking time off, all of this. How, how, how are you doing with that right now? So I wouldn't say I was taking time off relaxing. Actually, in some respects, it's been like the busiest 18 months that I could have imagined, but it's been a very different way. Mm-hmm. You know, in living in London, all the offices were shut. Yeah. You know, our office is still shut. So I've been working from my home for the last 18 months in this kind of small, you know, in this small little room. Mm. But actually, I've seen that you can be very productive 
when you can manage your time like this. And so many of my colleagues and especially those with children have said actually how much they've weirdly enjoyed working from home, despite what's been going on with the terrible disease out there, because mm. they've actually not had to have the, the commute. Sometimes in London, people can be commuting as much as an hour. Yeah. Um, so they've not had that. They've had their children at home. I have got four children and, you know, they're older now. They're 24, 22, 19, 16. And, you know, three of them had left home, but they all came back. Yep. And so for six months, the six of us were back together. And this was really a very magical time yes, where we could be together and, and actually look out for one and, and be there. But sometimes people think, you know, this question of how you work and is very much something that's, that maybe women want. But actually, I've seen that many people, men and women, are, are really interested in these different ways of working mm-hmm. and living a, a more uh, a more full and, and fulfilled life accordingly. So I think we're going to see some very big changes in the way in which people work as a result of some of the things that we've learned through the pandemic and also because of the advancements that we've seen in technology. No, absolutely. I mean, what, what I meant to say is that what motivated you? <laughs> I know you work so hard. <laughs> Well, I love what I do. That's what motivates me. I absolutely love what I do. But I want to make sure that in all aspects of my life, Mm -hmm. that I would be able to do and be the best wife, the best mother and the best business person. Mm. And so that's why for 16 years, I worked four days a week, because I wanted to be able to spend time with my children when they were at home. And this was, you know, obviously before the pandemic. So it was, you know, for 16 years, this is what I did. And actually, it was very good for me because it gave me that inner fuel Mm. to my heart and allowed me to be the best, the best at what I could do. So that's why. How did you think about the decision? Where did the decision came from? Was it just because you wanted to really look after, take care of your family and just have a time off just like one day a week? Because everyone is crediting you for, for this. I think it's really amazing that that idea came about. In truth, it came because... I wasn't very happy. I felt miserable that I wasn't doing a good job. I didn't think I was being a good mum. I was carrying a lot of guilt that I wasn't being a good mum and I wasn't being a good wife or friend. And I just, I remember kind of going in to see, and I was thinking maybe I would leave. And at the time I was working in an advertising agency. I was about 26, 27. And just had, you know, my daughter was a year old. She was a baby. And, you know, small babies, they're very physically demanding. You know, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so actually I went to talk to them about it. I said, if I just had one more day, I think I would be able to, you know, manage things better. And they said, well, why don't you try it? You know, I'd worked hard and I built my reputation up there. So I guess I had some chips in the bank, so to speak. And I thought, <laughs> uh, you know, they agreed to give it a go, which was very forward thinking of them back then to agree to that. And so that's where it started. I um and I never imagined I would do this for 16 years, but I did. And, um, you know, I, I'm very grateful that I was given that opportunity. It's really amazing. I mean, you know, many, as I said, when we were doing our research and I was reading about you over the last couple of years and really looking at the work you've been doing, many young women and girls into the creative industry look up to you. You know, they really look up to the work you are doing, but also, you know, the fact that you are insisting, you know, for us to have a life balance, you know, working life balance. What advice do you have for Young women, young moms, this COVID-19 and, and post-COVID-19 would be very difficult for many, many young women and growing right now and trying to get into the uh, you know, creative industry. Do you have any career guidance for them? What advice would you give them? Yes, I do. The first thing I would say is 
Don't be afraid to speak up. It seems to be a, quite a female thing that women have these exhausting conversations in their head about all the different eventualities of something that might happen. And, and I do the same and it's exhausting, right? Yes. And it always goes into a spiral to the very worst possible state and it True. almost paralyzes us. So mm. I would say people are not mind readers. While you're busy having that exhausted conversation, nobody else knows what's in your head. So tell people what's on your mind and ask for help. And I think people are sometimes very scared to ask for help because they think maybe it makes you look weak. It, it doesn't. It absolutely mm. doesn't. It's a learning opportunity. And that's the second thing I would say is like treat every experience and every point as a learning opportunity. Push yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because actually when you take a risk, when you make a mistake and making sure that you learn from your mistakes, I've made loads of mistakes. Yeah. These are the things that will make you stronger. And these are the things that will help you and will advance you. Otherwise, you'll just stagnate and you'll not go anywhere. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, let's go back to the asking for help. You are so right. We don't know how to ask for help. How can we ask for help? Because women, sometimes we, men do help us. You know, men do come forward and support all of us. But we don't ask for help. What is the trigger? What do we need to do? Is it confidence? What do we need to do? Is it trust? I think it's both of those things. I think sometimes having a mentor that can help you, and that doesn't mean you've got to go to the most senior person that you know. Sometimes having a mentor that's maybe one or two years ahead of you in business or in school, mm -hmm. that's a great person to go and ask because they're really recent and they can remember. Like if someone says to me now, what did you think around when you were 17 or 18 about that? I was like, I have no idea. I can't remember 30 years ago. <laughs> I'm not a good person to ask. Go and ask a, a 17, 18 year old now if you're 15, 16. So I'd have a mentor. I would hope if you're in a business that you'd have a manager that you could maybe have that sort of conversation with and start to raise it. And then I would plan out and be quite deliberate about the, you know, the questions that you want to ask or the issue that you're facing and why. So those are the things that I that I would think of. No, absolutely. I mean, I just had a conversation a couple of days ago. A friend of mine said, women don't ask for help. Right now, we should all ask him for help. You know, some little helps. Hey, can you read my blog for me? Can you edit this for me? Can you like my Facebook post or something? As you said, we keep everything into our mind and we, we don't ask for anything. And then we, we suffer inside, actually, you know. I'm really glad that I hope the girls, girls, I hope you are really listening to this because it's very, very important. So when you are in Kakuma, make sure you ask all of your friends to help you. I know you guys do that. But let me ask you something else, Nicola, that is really important to me that I've seen you doing as well. And I know you've discovered your purpose. But when you think about it very carefully, after everything you are doing and continue doing, how did you find your purpose? It looks like, you know, for me, when I listen to you and when I see you, you seem to be a very kind person, somebody who cares about humanity, somebody who cares about other people. But how do you discover your purpose? And do you mind sharing this with the girls listening to you now? Yeah, of course. I grew up in a Jewish family. And my parents taught me, and at the heart of Judaism is charity, it's giving back, and it's helping other people. So from a very young age, they were the values, they were the practices that I was surrounded by. And so that's what I've always done, mm -hmm. um, because that was just, if you like, my normal. And I think we're put out here on this planet to help one another and to help each other mm -hmm. advance. And I, I know how privileged I am, and I know how fortunate I am. And so... I want to be in a position to help other people. I didn't expect that five years ago that I would be diagnosed with an incurable blood cancer called follicular lymphoma. 
It was a real shock. I wasn't ill, had a very small lump. And suddenly this life that I was living just took a massive change, like a handbrake turn, because back to those voices in your head, all these voices, very negative voices started to come into my head. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is my purpose. Maybe this was why I was here to let more people know about this cancer, because nobody I know has heard of it. I certainly haven't heard of it. It's quite a rare cancer. And then I thought to myself, how can it be in 2021, when we've put man on the moon, when we've connected people, billions of people through the internet, that we crack the, you know, the human genome, how can we not have cured this cancer? It doesn't make sense to me. So two years ago, I set up a, a charity called the Follicular Lymphoma Foundation, Its sole purpose is not to exist because I want to find a cure for this cancer for about the million people around the world that have this cancer. And I want to be able to do that as quickly as possible. So I guess that's my purpose. And I think that was probably why I was put on this planet. You know, when I was choosing the teams, I was going to have you on season four on elevating humanity. I know you do that all the time, but I just thought that she has discovered her purpose and we're going to have her for the season five, discovering your purpose. It's so beautiful that I'm so honored and happy for you that you've discovered your purpose because I know that your purpose will change so many, many people's life. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful. And the girls, I hope that you are listening to this. It's very, very important message. And I really hope that you are taking some note today. Keep taking some notes is very, very good for you to listen to what Nicola just said. You know, Nicola, one of the other things, you know, I know that you also talk about all the time is, inter- is internet, is connectivity, is infrastructure, you know, within your work. But I just want to highlight something that maybe you know already, but women and girls in Africa are really struggling right now with internet connection. Entrepreneurs and, and all of these people are looking to find their purpose as well, but they don't have the means to do that. What are you doing right now to help women and girls have access to a connectivity, have access to infrastructure, content? I know you're doing wonderful things behind the scenes, but because of the girls that are listening right now, we have women entrepreneurs in Africa, Latin America listening to you. What advice do you have and what are you doing that we should know? Yeah. So Lady Maram, this is such an important topic that you're talking about. And if I take sub-Saharan Africa, we know that there's over 800 million people who are not connected to the internet due to a combination of challenges and, and barriers to connectivity. But even those that are connected, actually, it's not meaningful connectivity because the speeds or the data allowances are insufficient to be able to access multimedia or other applications. So. I want the girls listening today to know that Facebook, well, we are committed to Africa and the role that we can play in improving the continent's global competitiveness, because connectivity is really at the heart of our mission. And the Facebook mission is to give people the power to build community and to bring the world closer together. And so over the last three years, we've been really investing heavily in infrastructure and in connectivity initiatives that are really aimed to bring everybody on the African continent together. And of course, that's going to create tangible social economic benefits. So what does that actually look like? So we're investing in submarine cables, and there's specifically a cable called the Two Africa Cable. And it's actually one of the largest subsea cable projects in the world. And it's going to go around the entire Africa continent and it will land in 16 African countries. It's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, the the advance in technology is extraordinary. And what it will mean Mm. is it, it will triple the capacity 
that's currently being provided by all the subsea cables that are serving Africa today. And that will mean hundreds of millions of people will be able to be able to enjoy um, the internet. So that's one. And then the other area that we're, we're investing in is what we can do to help to support the mobile operators through facilitation initiatives. So that's something that we call the Express Wi-Fi, which is an end-to-end platform where you can launch and operate a sustainable, high-quality Wi-Fi network. It's a real partnership between ISPs, satellite operators, and it's about establishing a low-cost access network. Mm-hmm. And that will bring, again, more people online, stimulate data usage, and also internet traffic overall as well. So that's two of the things that we're working on here. Oh. If I think about 2030, the girls who are listening right now will be 21 years old. They will be in their 20s. I'm so happy for them. I'm, ho- I'm so happy that people like you and, and your colleagues are behind the scenes thinking about this because it's very tough in Kakuma. Kakuma is a refugee camp. Uh, it's, a, it's a home of 200,000 people from Kenya. The Kenya is a host country. The girls are from South Sudan, Burundi, Kinshasa. It's really difficult for them. And that everything they're doing right now is looking for... They're looking to learn. They're looking to learn. They're looking to get connection. They're looking to, you know, just improve themselves. So it's really beautiful that I know you are doing that. And it's changing lives and it's it's making a difference. So while we are talking about changing lives, you also always credit people who have helped you. I heard you are very humble and you do give credit to the people who help you. Uh, Do you mind sharing who have changed your life? Who has planted these seeds of uh, empathy, compassion and kindness in you? Oh, so many people. Like it's a list a mile long. You know, it takes a village, right? It takes a village. So from my teachers, my family, my husband, my children, I learn from all the time, all the time. But through my working career, there's been pivotable people at key moments that have really made a difference and kind of turned around and backed me publicly. So I would definitely credit my first three bosses, all men, John Bartle, Nigel Bogle, John Hegarty. Because they took all men, they took a 20-year-old girl from the north of England, gave me a place at the time. It was one of the very best advertising agencies, and it still is on the planet. It was very small back then, and it grew into this very big company. And they took Mm -hmm. a bet on me age 20 and really helped me learn my craft of advertising. So I definitely pay homage to them. I also pay homage to an amazing lady called Stevie Spring which was when I was really moving into management for the first time. She was somebody I didn't know, but I reached out to and I said to her, look, I really admire you. Could I buy you a coffee and could you give me some advice? And she did. And it was very generous of her. And she and I have become really firm and and fast friends. And then I look today now at Facebook and in many ways that I pinch myself that I work for Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of the company, and really is one of you know the leading proponents for women in the workplace and what more we can do. And to be able to listen and learn from the likes of her, well, that's just been you know an amazing privilege. So I feel unbelievably grateful. She's a she's an extraordinary woman. I just heard last she week is. that she has heard about I am the code and she wants to know more. So we are very happy that she actually heard about I am the code. So it's really fantastic. I'm not surprised she's heard about <laughs> I am the code because look, the reach that you have, Lady Mary, yeah, is extraordinary, so, absolutely extraordinary. And the importance of the message that you're delivering around the world about that's just invaluable. It's so powerful. 
No, it's really amazing. I'm so happy that she's supporting as well. But what are you grateful for? You know, you, I know you always talk about everything, but I, I think you're also grateful for your health. You are grateful that uh, you have a beautiful family and children and everything. But would you mind sharing with the girls what are you grateful for? I know you've discovered your purpose and you're doing amazing work to pay back to society. But anything else you are grateful for that we should know? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm t- so grateful for my family. I've just been celebrating a big birthday and actually to be surrounded and showered by the love of my nearest and dearest. There's nothing more, there's nothing more special than that. And then my health, health is something so many people take for granted. Mm. It's something that I think about every single day. I wish it wasn't something that I thought about every single day, but you know, when you get a diagnosis of an incurable cancer, it's just with you. It's with Mm. you constantly. So I practice gratitude for the fact that, you know, today I am well and that I'm healthy. And then I'm grateful to do a job that I love, to work for a company like Facebook, where it truly is a privilege to be able to be connecting people around the world and to have taken me on the most extraordinary, extraordinary adventures. You know, I've always been a huge fan of traveling to Africa and spent so many wonderful... We love you in Africa. Your team uh, there. <laughs> I've spent so they many loves you. personal... They, when personal... they knew you were coming on the podcast, they wanted to join the Zoom. I said, no, you're going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, they, love the you. they love you there. They know how much I love traveling as a family, how many holidays that we spent there, but also, you know, in, in the world before COVID, when we could travel, and it was one of my favorite places to go to. And I'd been to many, many countries, but... Here's the thing I would also say to the yeah, girls. Of friends, we have lots of fans in Nigeria. <laughs> oh, oh, I love going to Nigeria. And, you know, it's also extraordinary to meet the amazing female entrepreneurs. Yes. There are so many. In oh. fact, Africa, the continent, has the highest number of female entrepreneurs in the world. True. That's True. an extraordinary number. But, you know, back to, you know, some of the things we've been talking about, it doesn't have the frameworks, the entrepreneurial frameworks to be able to support them in the best way possible. And Mm. given that the girls are in Kenya, I did want to just share the story of the amazing lady called Shiru, who who I've met on many occasions, who started her own business called Fun Kids. I don't know if you know her, selling furniture for children that she designs, she manufactures in Kenya. And now through the power of Facebook, she now is shipping her products to places like Rwanda and Uganda and that creativity, that ingenuity. And in COVID, she's pivoted again to sell different things and different products, just you know, listening. She's very close to her customers, listening to what her customers want and need. She's mm-hmm. just one of the many amazing women um, that, that I've met. And of course, she now employs lots of people in her family, in her community, so she's helping giving back through the strength of her business as well. So these are some of the best days in the job when I get to meet people like her. It's really amazing. I mean, I'm so happy the girls are listening to you because uh, you'll be very proud to know that Facebook will be starting to mentor the Kakuva refugee girls. And we will make this announcement in the next couple of weeks. So all of your female, your black women at Facebook will be starting to give back to I am the code young women and girls. So I wanted to share that with you. I'm sure you'll be very proud to know. It's very good for us that you know, an organization like you with the, you know, the black women you have within the organization want to connect with the young refugee girls who are really struggling and hopefully they can look up to them as well. But know how grateful we are that we're able to do this because actually it's a two-way thing. We will Mm -hmm. be enriched 
by doing this as well. So thank you for allowing us to partner with you on this. No, no, thank you. I just thought it was so necessary for the, the Kakuma girls who sometimes don't know if they can dream, they don't know if they can have access, but uh, your team is working very hard to make this happen. Well, let me ask you a couple of more questions. What has motivated you as a tech leader? You know, you have been pushing for technology in the, in the UK. You've been nominated by so many organizations as well. But what have what has motivated you? Why do you think technology has a place to play, especially in the life of these young women right now who are growing in refugee camps in places of despair? Yeah. So I think I've always been a curious person. You know, I think back to my days at school and I was always the child putting my hand up and asking questions all the time, which I know was sometimes a little bit infuriating for the teachers, (laughs) right? (laughs) But it's that sense of curiosity, the love of the newness, the love of discovery and innovation and creativity. That's what technology is. Mm. That's at the heart of tech. It's it's testing things, it's innovating, it's coming up with new products all, you know, all the time. And I love that. And this period of time that we're living in now, well, it's been called the fourth industrial revolution for good reason, Great. because it, it's impacting every aspect of our lives, I believe, mm. for better. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to either stand at the sideline or to have you know, a ringside view of, of what was going on and in some small way to be able to contribute to this. And when I think about you know, particularly on how we could help small business through technology, like the example of Shira that I just talked about, then actually that that was something that was just too good an opportunity to turn to turn down. And it continues to be so today. Mm. And especially because no two days are ever the same. And that's something, again, somebody that is stimulated by new and change and difference and people. I love people. Yes. I love to be engaged with people. And so that's why I feel grateful to do the job that I do. Oh, it's, uh, it's, I'm so inspired just by listening to you. I mean, it's really fascinating. I hope the girls, uh, you are getting inspired as well. This is beautiful. It's exclusive for you. You're listening to Nicola. She's doing amazing work. And, and I think it's going to be really amazing. But Nicola, let me ask you, our girls are marginalized girls, right? They come from slums and favelas and, and places where Facebook actually and WhatsApp is their tool. They use this to communicate all the time, right? So, and they use this every day. I spend a lot of money, for example, sending them money in Kakuma so they can have access to data and connectivity. But at the same time, I want the world to hear from these people, right? So what are we doing right now when it comes to girls' education? And, you know, can we do more in helping these this young women and girls, just like the young woman you mentioned earlier, to become entrepreneurs, have access to connectivity? Any tips you have for the world leaders and organization listening right now? Look, I think there's always more that can be done. And, you know, I know how tough it is. You're talking about how tough it is for these girls in the refugee camps. And I think for anybody dealing with challenges of any type, I'm dealing with my own challenges in a different way. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be able to talk to people, to be able to express how you feel. And and that can help you both physically and also mentally as well. And you can probably tell Lady Maram that I'm a pretty open and positive person. You are an optimistic person. (laughs) I am. But you know what? Everybody has good days and everybody has bad days. Me too. That's true. And so I think it's important. And I'm so glad that, you know, that WhatsApp is being used because I think there's real comfort can be drawn from when people are going through tough times to be able to reach out to one another. We have a group on Facebook that's called Living with Follicular Lymphoma. It's connected now 8,000 people around the world with the same cancer. Yeah, with the same cancer as me. Because actually, 
you don't want to be talking to someone with a different illness. You want to be talking to someone that's like you and understands what you're going through. And I think the same principle applies anywhere. So Mm. if it's sometimes getting on top of you, then reach for the people that understand you the best. And that's probably people around you. And sometimes it's easier to do it in person, or sometimes it's easier to do it by text. So the fact that we now have more opportunities as to ways that we connect, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I love the work you're doing with the Lymphoma Association. It's so beautiful. Some of our girls in Africa have a lot of issues as well. But when you think about it right now, is it any way we can help more girls who don't have the chance, the opportunity to have good doctors? Do you have any website link? Where can they go on Facebook to find these information? Yeah, in every country, there are links to find different information, whether it's on groups or whether it's things that the government have put out in terms of health. I mean, one of the things that we've done as a company through the pandemic in particular is give people access to accurate information, working with governments, working with the World Health Organization as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there are places out there and I would definitely encourage people to go and to look and to learn. No, absolutely. We will put the Lymphoma Association as well and the work you're doing on the podcast link. But I've got a few more questions before we let you go. I know that you are somebody, like I said earlier, who's very grateful for the work you're doing, grateful to your family, grateful to everything you do. But if you had a, a small question or just small advice for the young Nicola who's driven at 18, 19, 20, get all the support, what advice would you give her today, especially when she's facing post-COVID-19 and all the challenges we have across the world what advice would you give that young woman today okay so in the offices at Facebook we have posters all over the walls and one of the quotes that I love the most is what would you do if you weren't afraid and I do think this is something that I wished I'd learned earlier and I would definitely tell my teenage self this because what I've learned and it goes back to what I was talking about earlier is that The times when I've been a little bit scared and a little bit nervous, they're usually a good sign that I'm learning and developing. And sometimes it's me that's holding myself back. I'd also share that being vulnerable, that's not a weakness. That's a great strength. That's an absolutely great strength. So do the things that make you a little bit scared. Do be intentional. Do share and don't be afraid to be open. Wow. So before we close the podcast, the girls in Kakuma who are listening right now, they will watch your video. They will watch all of the amazing work you are doing. They want to become coders. I know you love technology. Any advice you want to give them? They call the I am the code keepers and they're working on the sustainable development goals. They're going to get Facebook as mentors. Any advice you have for them to keep the sustainable development goals going, make sure that they are pushing their businesses and they become entrepreneurs. So any advice you have for them before we let you go? Yeah, keep on studying. (laughs) There is nothing more important than that. And especially if you're doing coding, which I know you are, this is such a wonderful international language. And we already know that there aren't enough coders in the world. So here's the good news that if you get to get qualified in this area, there'll be so many companies out there that will come looking for you because we will need you. So study, study, study. It's exactly the right thing to do. And I'm excited to see how you are going to change the world. That was wonderful, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining the I Am The Code podcast. I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. It's really beautiful. Thank you. 
She's awesome. Nicola is absolutely amazing. I mean, for me, it's an honor to have her on the podcast because usually she's so busy with working and doing so many beautiful things. I can't even name them here. But one of the things I've learned this week is that people who want to help you show up and care for you, they will absolutely be here and they will come forward to help you. So do not attach yourself to people who do not pay attention to your dreams. As my friend Marian Spire said, don't let anyone take your dreams away from you. So don't do that. But at the same time, you must let things go, right? Focus on what matters to you. I've learned today, actually, in fact, today, this Friday, that emotional discipline is essential for you. It is an essential skill you need to implement if you wish to accomplish your biggest goals and aspirations. You have to have an emotional discipline, meaning that don't let negative people destroy your day or stop you following your dreams. Absolutely not. <laughs> you have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jean. What an honor. What an honor to be serving you every Friday. And I'm happy that my voice is going across Kakumo Refugee Camp and all across the world. It is an honor. I didn't expect this to happen, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting I Am The Code. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Listen to the podcast wherever you're getting your podcast from. I really hope you'll be inspired with my amazing guests. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, absolutely dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. I think most of us want to do better and be better in life. So remember to donate to I Am The Code. We are a foundation and we need your support. Every amount counts. We're a UK charity, so any amount you donate will go to our girls. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you. Don't forget to find your purpose. Go out there and find your purpose. You know, someone told me, what are the tips do you have for finding your purpose? I will say, dream big. Don't let anyone stop you. Have a gratitude journal. Think about what you want to achieve in life. Serve others. Serve humanity. Give. Don't always just receive. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. And I will also say, just be yourself. Be authentic. Sometimes starting small is better than thinking starting big, right? I always start small and keep looking into my impact and my progress. Then I take my time. One of the gifts you have is taking your time to do what you need to do. Believe in yourself. Don't let anyone stop you because you are powerful. You are amazing and you are great. So I really hope those tips will help you find your purpose because I have found mine. Nicola has found hers by doing amazing work and by, I think, she went through something so difficult. Now she wants to help use her influence to help other people. I really hope you've been inspired. I have been inspired by this podcast. It's really amazing. And uh, go out there and find your purpose. I want to wish you a lovely Friday. Whatever you are doing, remember, you are amazing. I will see you next Friday. And thank you so much for being here. Goodbye. <laughs>